Welcome to Mental Health News Radio. I'm your host, Kristen Sunanta-Walker. Just what are we going to discuss? The intimacy that is mental health. Let's continue to make it as comfortable as discussing brain health or heart health. This show has been on the air for several years and we have amazing co-hosts. And then we created a network of podcasters on mentalhealthnewsradionetwork.com, a place where every possible facet of mental well-being can be talked about openly. My show, after several hundred interviews, the format is this. Intimate, deep, funny, touching, sometimes uncomfortable, but always vulnerable conversations with interesting people. The goal is to have you, our listening family, many of you who have become my good friends, feel as though you are listening in on private conversations. Thank you for tuning in and becoming part of this amazing journey with me and now with our network of podcasters. Just knowing this podcast might be helping any of you realize you are not alone on this journey called being a human being makes doing this podcast worth every second. Hi, everyone. I'm here with Joseph Yeager. Joseph, thanks so much for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I love the person that uh, introduced you to me, and I know the time in which she did it. I was having an issue, but we'll, we'll bring that up a little bit later in the show. But um, our wonderful leader of um, FSP Against Bullying, <laughs> she told me that you were the go-to guy when it comes to talking about things like cyber safety. Well, Jazz is awesome, and I'm sure we'll, we'll get to talk about her, but yeah, she's great. Absolutely. So how long have you been working with her and her organization? I've been working with them for about three years, but for this is my second year actually on their advisory board. Um, so I'm one of the members that helps them in a certain specific area. And in my case, it's about cyber safety, cybersecurity, that kind of issue. Mm-hmm. Anything related to cyberbullying, sextortion, cyber stalking, which is I think what we're talking about today, anything of, of that nature. Right, right. Well, thank you for doing what you do. Thank you. (laughs) Tell our listeners a little bit about your organization and how you got started into doing this kind of work. Well, I started um, getting into cyber safety, I guess it was about six years ago now at this point. And my young daughter, she was in first grade and she had just come back from school and they had had a local author come to her first grade class and talk about a book that he had written. And she was very excited. She decided to come home and look it up online and try and find out more because she heard it was a a series of books. So um, as I recommend to anyone who has young children, she was not allowed to use a a computer unless it was within eyesight of either myself or my wife. And so I was in the the living room. She was in the dining room right next to, to me. And all of a sudden I looked over and she had this really bizarre look on her face and she wasn't moving. She wasn't talking. And I asked her what was wrong and she didn't answer. And I said, what's the matter? And again, she didn't answer. And if you knew my daughter, you knew that's a problem right then and there. So I went over to to her and I said, what's going on here? What's the matter? And she just pointed to the screen. And I looked at the screen and it was content that was deliberately put there for a young child to find. And it was, Mm. it was offensive. Um, It was some vulgar comments that were made that were put there um, 
relating to the book series she was looking for. So it was deliberately put there for any child who was looking for the book series to find this. And it really startled her. And that's what got me involved in, you know, what kids can see online and what happens online. And so that's what got me started in this by myself. And as a result of that, I created Safety Net of Pennsylvania, which is my company where I go around and work with community groups and schools and, and stuff like that. You know, what's interesting that you started this, it's, it's like going down a rabbit hole. I mean, it seems never ending in terms of the information. So how did you get through sifting through, you know, where do you, where to even begin? Well, that, that's, you're very right on that. It never ends. I mean, it's everywhere. Um, I hate to say it, you know, it, it doesn't go away. In fact, um, at one point I even got into a little online discussion with a guy on Twitter who said that I was completely wasting my time doing this because we're never going to do away with it. It'll always be with us. And I said, no, I said, you know, maybe that is the case. I said, but it's still worth doing. I said, you know, we can help people, we can protect people. And he said, doesn't matter. You're never doing, getting rid of it. You should just stop doing what you're doing. And I said, no, if I can help even one person, <laughs> I said, it's worth my time. And he said, no, that's not true. Okay, and I just politely this. told him that we apparently have a different value on one person's life and we would just have to agree to disagree. Right. Right. So skip ahead a couple of years and there was a member, uh, Dominique, who is a member of 50 shades of purple against bullying. She had been following me on Twitter and she, at one point, I guess this was about three years ago, two years ago, had invited me to come speak at their annual educational conference. That would have been 2017, I guess. And I just gave them a basic primer on social media and cyberbullying, um, which is something that they needed to know more about. And then the following year, they asked me to join as an advisory board member. Okay. And then you get a can of worms from that too. <laughs> oh, yes. We, there's, there's always a ton of it. Like I said, I, we may never get rid of it, but that doesn't mean we should stop trying. Exactly. It's like, okay, so uh, argument is ridiculous. We're never going to stop people from molesting children. I mean, that's true. There will always be some sick person out there that's going to do that. So the logic is that we should just stop talking about it and arresting people that do it. <laughs> That's pretty much it. Yeah, that was his <laughs> philosophy. Oh man, yeah, it's always interesting. And I know when I when I reached out to um, Jazz, I was like, I was going through something where I had um, a stalker. He's known. Well, you know, I don't even want to give him that attention. He's known in a country in the world as that country's worst stalker. Been in prison for doing such a thing absolutely has, um, you know, narcissistic personality disorder is probably a path. And for whatever reason, uh, I actually reached out to me through a listener of my show that was posting things about my show. And I get it. I'm, I'm in the public arena, but it was really interesting to be a part of that for the limited time that I was. And that's when I had reached out to her because it was certainly unpleasant. The, these people are, wow, I could, we could do a whole show just on how disordered and malignant they are, but, or they're- Oh, I agree. Cause I actually had somebody do something similar to me. Actually, she came after me. Or I shouldn't say after me. She came to me and asked me to out somebody for being a cyber bully. Yeah. And, and I said, look, that's not what I do. And I said, and I really don't know that this person is a cyber bully. I only have your word for it. And 
I've just met you. I don't really know you. And, you know, and she was really upset with me that I would not go after this person and call them out. And when I refused, um, she started blacklisting, blackmailing, or not blackmailing, but bad mouthing me anywhere and everywhere she could. Uh, I found out she was going on websites and telling people to come after me. Wow. And people were actually very supportive of me, which was great. And they said, you know, I've seen what this guy does. He's not a problem here. If there's a problem, it's you. And then she uh, blocked her Twitter account for like two weeks. And someone said, yeah, that's typical because she just does this to anyone and everyone that doesn't agree with her. Yeah. And, you know, sure enough, about two weeks later, it just died. But for two weeks, she was going anywhere and everywhere telling people that I was a a bully and I was a fraud and I wasn't doing what I said I was doing. So. Yeah, I got all that too. And I thought it was interesting. The tactic is an ongoing. I mean, I'm one of hundreds of people that are listed on his website as, you know, that it's all set up to, to out cyber stalkers. Mm -hmm. So they out, they quote unquote, come after you for being a bully of them for something where you don't even know who the hell they are. You certainly don't want to know who they are. And then when you respond and say, oh my gosh, I did, I'm not bullying you. Then they turn around and threaten you and try to, you know, suck you into the game. And then they go to all these different places, even went so far as to call some of my clients at their professional offices and complain about me being a bully of them. It's just, it's, you know, you can see character disorder, character disorder, character disorder, you know, running Absolutely. through this. So as adults, we have the length of time. Most of us anyway, have the length of time and uh, experience and people to go to, to go, okay, yeah, don't engage with this person. It's going to die down. If they're on a particular website that I won't give them any um, advertising either, that website website host will never take anything down. That's, you know, because they're shady also. And so there's nothing, you know, you can do unless you spend millions of millions or thousands of dollars and, um, and then it'll just show up. If you win that particular set, it'll show up on another one. So you have, you literally have to be okay with just ignoring it and not engaging because that's what they want you to do is engage. Um, and if you don't engage, they're going to find another target, sadly. But when you're a kid, you don't have the resources that we do as an adult to even, you know, the emotional resources and everything to deal with that kind of thing. There are laws that protect it, but a lot of people still don't know who do I call? What do I do? So I'll stop rambling. And what do you think about that situation? Well, I I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, I, I guess this was about two years ago. I was actually a, a woman came to my Facebook page and she sent me a message And she said that uh, while she lived here, or I'm sorry, while she lived uh, overseas, she actually lived in South Africa. And she said that she, her daughter was being uh, attacked online by someone that she had been conversing with, but the daughter was young, probably in grade school level. And she told this guy things that she probably shouldn't have told him. Like she told him personal things like, I live in this town, I go to this school, and then all of a sudden he turned mean and he started st- stalking her and threatening her. And she said she went to the local police and the local police said, we can't help you go away. Um, and I said, wow. I said, you know, I, I mean, I, I understand maybe why they said that, which is because apparently what she was able to tell 
from his discussions with his with her daughter was that he was from Russia. And the South African local police said, we have no jurisdiction in Russia. There's nothing we can do about this. So she was really frantic because she was really scared because her daughter said, you know, this is my school. And he said, I'm coming to your school to get you. So after enough time that she couldn't get any help, she came to me and I said, uh, here's what I would suggest you do. I said, maybe South African local police can't do anything about it. I said, if you tried, you know, their version of the FBI, the American FBI. And she said, I went to national, federal, they said the same thing. And I said, okay. I said, then you go to Interpol. I said, you tell Interpol what's going on. I said, I know Interpol takes this very seriously and they have jurisdiction in many areas around the country, around the world. And sure enough, about two months later, she came back to me and she thanked me and she said that Interpol actually took care of it for her. Really? Okay. Yeah. And she was very happy. She said, uh, apparently Interpol found the guy and yes, he was from Russia. And he, uh, he, he, Basically, they said Interpol promised he won't be an issue. She never really found out what they did to him or what happened to him, but she said she, he had stopped contacting her daughter, and that's really what she wanted. Mm. Okay, but and they did that on behalf of this someone being underage. Do you think that they would have um, gone to those length if the lengths that this was an adult? To be honest, probably not. I don't. Um, I know, actually, this past weekend, this past week, um, there's a social media app called Kick that just shut down. It was very popular with children. Um, and because it's very popular with children, the predators go there as well. Right. I mean, wherever the kids go, if that's what you're hunting, you're going to be there too. Right. And I have spoken with numerous officials, police officials, law enforcement officials here in the United States, both locally and around the United States, who have said when they try to go to Kick, um, no matter what the age is, Kick just says, we really don't care what you say. And they say, look, we'll come up with a warrant. And even though it was, in some cases, was with children, the Kick said, we are not going to help. And they said, well, we'll get a warrant. And they said, yeah, good luck serving an American warrant up here in Canada. We don't have to honor it. And that was even with children in some cases. Yeah. Um, so no, I don't think that, uh, that Interpol would have gone to those such lengths if it hadn't been, but I could be wrong. Hmm. That's what's, you know, disturbing is it's sad that you do have to get to a place where regarding some things, not your kids, of course, but in relation to you, that you just have to let it go. And I say that knowing that um, there are people that I'm well aware of and the public is well aware of them as well, that their faces are superimposed onto porn stars and they're all over Pornhub. And we just had that happen here locally to our local news affiliate in mm -hmm. Philadelphia. Um, where yes, and she's having a real hard time getting it. And it's a shame because some of the comments that we're seeing on online are basically people are like, hey, you have to suck it up and live with it. That's what happens when you're a public persona. Right. I wonder if they would be that uh, unempathetic if it was happening to them. <laughs> or someone they love. Or someone they love. But the reality for my friends anyway, and some of the things I've had to deal with is that they're, unless I spend, you know, millions of dollars and they have spent millions of dollars to get things removed, they do have to just, they just don't look, they don't, you know, they, they stop no. shoveling money down that rabbit hole and they. You're right. And there, there's actually one of the, the larger companies that uh, is, that says they help people with this kind of situation. Um, 
they're, I think he's the CEO. Um, and I don't remember his name right now, but I use it in some of my presentations. And he says, we can't remove stuff. You know, they can go to Facebook, they can go to Instagram, they can go to Twitter and say, hey, this is what my client has, is experiencing. Can you remove it? But they can't force them to remove it. Right. Um, so what they're, what they're saying is, since we can't remove it, we, we can ask nicely and hope that they'll work with us. They said, what we try to do is we try to flood the internet with other content right. so that the content you're objecting to just is off of page one from Google search results. And if it's off of page one from Google search results, it basically doesn't exist as their philosophy. Right. So they can't get rid of it. They know they can't get rid of it. They can, they tell their clients this, it's just, you know, we'll put it down three, four, five, ten 10 search results pages and anyone looking for it will never find it, but it's still out there. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I had a radio organization wanting me to, you know, host a show for them an AM FM radio, uh, which I didn't want to do it anyway, but you know, they found some stuff out there buried way buried. It was on like page 30 and, um, and they brought it to me and it was from a stalker and um, said, you know, what's the situation regarding this? And I sent in all the legal stuff, all the communications with police in different countries, blah, blah, blah. And it was all fine. They, they were, you know, when I, when I said, is this going to prevent me from, you know, being able to do this show. And they said, are you kidding? Do you know the get, the hosts that we have on our, do you know the stuff that's out there about them? We just have to follow. <laughs> They're like, yours is nothing compared to what theirs has been. And I'm like, oh, how sad, but thanks for letting yeah. me know. <laughs> yeah. I mean, the stuff that, as you know, their philosophy, these companies is let's get it off of page one of Google. But if you really want to hunt for it, if you know it's out there, or if you really know, believe it's out there and you're willing to spend the time you'll find it. I mean, look at what happened with Kevin Hart this year with the Oscars, right. a tweet that he posted years ago yep. because somebody decided we need to vet this person. And when they vetted him, they found content they didn't like. It's out there. It can be found. I know. And that's scary. It's especially scary. It's scary for our kids, but it's also scary for those of us that, you know, we, when Facebook as an example first came out and nobody knew in the public anyway, what the heck it was and what it was going to end up becoming. And we just posted our, you know, every thought out there, not all of us, but some of us, you know, did that. And then we went, Oh, maybe we shouldn't do that. <laughs> and even deleting those accounts, it's still there. Yes. And here's a very important point that most people don't realize when you post an image onto a social media site, whether it's Facebook, LinkedIn, Twitter, any of them, um, the question that you hear is, well, who owns the rights to the picture? Well, you do. You took the picture. It's yours. However, every social media site out there that I know of, in their terms and conditions says, if you post it out there, you give basically free use rights for anybody who wants to, to use it. Mm -hmm. So there was a, a, a photographer up in New York City. Uh, his last name, I believe, is Prince. And what he would do is he would go on Instagram and he would find provocative pictures of usually teenage girls. Um, and he blew them up to poster size. And then he sold them in a New York art gallery for up to $90,000 a piece. Wow. And it went to the United States Supreme Court. And the Supreme Court said, yeah, he's within his rights. You posted on Instagram yourself on your account. And when you agreed to use Instagram, you agree to the terms and conditions, one of which is 
people can do this to your pictures. If you don't like it, don't use Instagram. Yeah, I know. There's a thing right now with uh, Jennifer Lopez where she saw a photo that was taken by paparazzi of her with Alex Rodriguez walking around somewhere and liked the picture, then posted it to her Instagram, then took it down. And now the photographer is suing her for lost wages because her posting it on her account made it less valuable, which is part of his job. So it went to being like worth 25,000 instead of 150,000. Yeah. There's a reason why many celebrities and, and wealthy people live in France. And that's because the privacy laws in France are much more restrictive, um, especially for the paparazzi. So they don't have the rights that they would in, in many other countries. But when you, when you post it on social media, no matter where you post it from, you agree to those terms and conditions. So if you post a picture um, of like, who was it right now? Um, Suzanne Summers is actually taking, taking heat this week in the media right. because it, in her 70s, she posted yeah. a picture of herself in a bathtub nude. And there are people coming down and criticizing her saying that she should have more class than that. Right. So you put it out there. You have to realize that when you put something out there, you may have to deal with some repercussions that you didn't ex expect. I think it's interesting, too, when we look at, I mean, because you're also a marketing professional. So when we look at things like uh, there are specific celebrities like Suzanne Summers, where just a lot of negative energy gets thrown her, her way for all kinds of reasons that I wouldn't know because I don't know this woman. But and then there are other celebrities that, I mean, they can almost do no wrong, um, you know, in the eyes. Of yeah, look at the Kardashians. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they get a lot of haterade too. Not that I'm a big fan, but but it, it's it's interesting how that happens and what is the chicken or the egg in those situations? Is it the, to me, it's that making a meal out of someone in a negative way, if it's more of a moneymaker, then they're going to keep doing it regardless. And it's about the money. It's not about the celebrity. I think there's some truth to that. Um, now, like I, I will tell you like um, part of it with Suzanne Summers may go back to when she was on the TV show, three's company, and mm -hmm. she took bad press from that show right. by the same token. I'm always seeing on Yahoo news. Cause for whatever reason, they always post these pictures of Elizabeth Hurley who's in her fifties and they show her, Oh, look how good she looks in a bikini at 53. Um, but yet no one would say anything bad about her, but she doesn't have that bad history, if you will, that maybe Suzanne Summers has. So that might be tainting it. Right. Right. You exactly. know, it just, it, it taints it at the source. So whatever Suzanne Summers says, maybe the public just doesn't want to see it or hear it or one person in the media, uh, said something about it a couple of years ago, Victoria's secret came out with a new line. It was the geisha line. And I, it was really interesting that. because. Yeah. And what happened was one blogger who really was not a very well-known blogger, but one blogger posted something about it and saying that it was racist and it treated Asian women in a stereotypical way. And somebody else in the media picked up on it. And from that one blog, Victoria's Secret had to pull the entire line and say that they aren't going to, they weren't going to do it. And that was about, I don't know, about seven or eight years ago. Um, I did actually hear a rumor recently that they're trying to bring it back, but I don't know that that's true. Yeah, it, we've become hyper, hyper vigilant in good ways and not so good ways. It's going to be really interesting to keep riding through this to see how, 
what this looks like in a year from now, in six mm-hmm. months from now, in five years from now. You know, it's going to be really fascinating to see if we can have some measure of success in terms of protecting ourselves and especially our kids. Right. And the only way to do that is to be constantly vigilant as to what's out there, you know, perform what I call a virtual audit of yourself. And maybe you do that once a month, once a quarter, I don't know, twice a year. If you see something, then maybe you're doing it weekly um, to, to try and catch things before they get blown out of proportion. Because if you can nix it before it gets blown out of proportion, then hopefully it won't cause problems down the road. But if you don't know about it, then obviously you can't do anything about it. Right. And then it can snowball. There are companies, and what do you think? What if you think about them that you can pay eighty dollars a month, and they their job is to go in and you know try to remove as much of your digital footprint as possible. Well, I said they've said they can't remove stuff. What they can do is try and flood the market. Yeah, yeah, they can bury it. But you know, if you don't have the time to do it yourself, and you've got the money to do it they will provide a service for you. Mm-hmm. You know, if, if, if they can bury stuff before it gets seen, great. Um, but people have to realize that they really can't remove stuff. Like I said, they can go to a Facebook and say, hey, we just saw this. This is completely not true. This is not my client's account. It's a fake. Um, would you shut this down? You can try and maybe the, the company, whoever it is, whatever social media site it is, might, but chances are they won't. They just don't have the time and resources to police themselves that well. Right. Um, unless they can prove that it's showing like child pornography or something along those lines, they really aren't going to get involved. Right. And then, you know, the, the times that I have lamented about my own experience with this, I had some young kid that's, oh my God, the problem that I didn't know about before I met him legally and, and so on. And then, figured out, oh, okay, as I got involved with them, um, you know, these these are people that they're of this age. And so they're going to clip whatever they can of you. And I'm out there, you know, with my show, I've got eight years of content and they can clip whatever the heck they want together. They do it to people all the time. And if they have a vendetta for whatever reason against you, you know, and they have nothing but time on their hands, uh, and their character disorder, they're going to sit there and do it. And the only thing that works that I've seen is disengaging. Yes. I will tell you last year, about just about a year ago, I was speaking at the International Bullying Prevention Association's International Conference in San Diego. And the keynote speaker for that was Monica Lewinsky. Mm. Now, every, and she was, she was awesome. Everybody loved yeah. her. But the, the interesting thing was, it was in the program guide, and before she went up on stage, they made specific points to say, you are not allowed to take pictures. You are not allowed to take video. This is part of the requirements for her coming here, so please don't do it. And people were still doing it. But the reason why she didn't want it done was she didn't want people taking a snippet of a conversation mm-hmm. and showing it out of context. You know, or a, a picture where maybe she has she's in a bad position, or her mouth is open and it looks, in, you know, unusual mm-hmm. or funny or silly. She was that adamant about it because there are people for her who are going out there and doing stuff like that to her. They've done it. I know. You know, and, through through mutual friends, I heard more of an inside story about uh, someone that 
was very, very huge, is a huge star. And definitely in her prime in the movie industry, it was pre-social media. And she was diligent about, um, was it diligent or vigilant? Anyway, I get those two mixed up, but <laughs> she was determined. How's that? About press signing releases about if kids came to her birthday party uh, with their parents or birthday party of, of her kids and their parents were there that she was there with her assistant saying you may not take photos da, da, da. and this ticked people off that were there but when we go you know fast forward 10 15 20 years into this era now people are going wow she was smart and ahead of her time yeah you know, it's there's actually been, and, and again, I'm going back. I'm going to go back to France here for a second. They actually have passed a law in France that says that parents are not allowed to post pictures of their children without the child's permission. Oh wow, I'm moving to because France. it is <laughs> because it is embarrassing to the children, right, to have these pictures posted in some cases. So that you know, maybe you're five years old now and there's pictures of you, you know, and you're doing something crazy or maybe even when you're an infant, I mean, how many of us have not taken a picture maybe of our child as an infant getting their first bath. Oh yeah. And then, and then you want to post that, but it's like, Hey, you've just posted a picture of a naked child. That's child pornography. Right. Um, or to the child though, it's embarrassing. Right. You know, especially when they, when, you know, Facebook comes up and says, Hey, here's a memory from 20 years ago on this date. And you post that picture again. Right. And now your kid's in high school and you've just posted a picture of when they were an infant. So, you know, everything comes back to haunt us. I know. It has the potential anyway. How let's, let's close this on, on something then. And I know maybe this is a different conversation that you're used to, but I really wanted to get, well, I, obviously not. You talk about these things, but we didn't get into, you know, the brass tacks of safety Did I really wanted to go more on what happens and the emotional side of it. So how, do you see us keeping a handle on or or at least trying to understand the way to navigate conversations with people this is going to happen it does happen it's awful feel awful about it because it's awful and you have to disengage from it and know that it's just going to be out there and there's not much that that there's not anything physical you can do to remove it. The work that needs to be done regarding removing it from your life is removing your attention from it. Right. Well, here's, here's the part about that. I mean, I've always said, you know, since social media came out, if there's one person that you don't want to see something, you have to assume that they will eventually say it. Um, just to understand that, accept it. If you're lucky, it won't happen. But you have to be prepared for the fact that if you post something out there, it may be seen by the person you never wanted it to see. And as you said earlier, I come from a marketing background. And in the marketing background, we have what we call the four P's of marketing. Well, I've turned that into the four P's of social media, which is there's four P's that you have to be careful about what you post and if these people see it. The first P is your parents. If you post something, how would you feel if your parents saw it? The second would be your principal or maybe an employer. If you're an adult, how would you feel if your employer saw something? There was a scandal this week, if you will, a news story about the girl, the woman from Panera who posted yes. how their, their Mac and cheese was made and Panera fired her reportedly for making this post. Well, what did she think Panera was going to do by posting a, a, a picture <laughs> like this? 
Mm -hmm. Did they think she was going to reward her and give her a raise? The third is the police. How would you feel about whether or not the police saw what you did? And then fourth, the fourth P is a predator. What would, how would you feel if a predator saw what you had posted, whether it was a racy picture or in some cases, not even a racy picture. There's, there's a great video online on YouTube. It was created by a police department down in Georgia and it's called Everyone Knows Sarah. And it is a great video. It's still probably the best one about there about being careful about what you post online and what can happen when people see it. Exactly. Yes. And I want to say this too, because a lot, I hear this certainly, and I'm probably guilty of it too, although I really try not to be now, especially with the number of students that we work with, uh, people under 18, um, is we really have no idea what it is that they have to deal with. Those of us, no, we that, don't. you know, we just don't like, I, I cannot, I, I know it from a, now I'm an adult having to deal with it, but I can't even fathom with all the other stuff that I was going through as a kid to also have to deal with someone that might stick a camera under a bathroom stall while I'm peeing and then put that out. I mean, and that is the stuff that goes on. And the only way I can sort of understand it is now we've, we've started to move into doing some film work and I don't know whether I'm going to stay in it or not. And it's funny, I'll make these decisions and then I'll get like a truckload of really well-connected known people that want to help me do this because they're excited about it. And I'm like with wild horses pulling a, a halt going, I don't know if I want to go in that direction because of that very reason you're on a film set and you're, you know, I, I've had situations where I'm posting a table of people and the key, there are multiple cameras and the director is doing all kinds of cuckoo stuff to get me to control the table and it's making my face contorted, right? I'm, I know that in order to make a good film out of it, they're not going to really want to use any of the footage of me looking at the director going, what? They're going <laughs> to use footage during that time of the other people talking. But you get a jerk. You get a, someone with an axe to grind. You get someone on the film crew with, with their phone cam on. And they will do interesting things with that stuff. And the legal battle to get through it, which I will fight, is a nightmare. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and, the, and part of that is, as, as you asked about, like, what do, what do children, what do adults even need to do is they need to realize that a lot of it is, as you say, people who sneak pictures when you're not looking, you know, whether you're in a bathroom stall or whatever. But a lot of it is also what we ourselves post. Yes. So we have to be careful about what we post. We have to be careful of our privacy settings on our social media apps. You know, I just saw a story this week that said 40% of teenagers don't use their privacy settings at all on any of their social media sites, which means that everything in the, that they post is available to everyone else that's out there. Right. Um, they probably don't want that. Uh, they have to be, even if they do use their privacy settings, they have to realize that if they post their privacy settings, their friends, their connections, their followers, whatever it is, they can say it. And everyone focuses on your privacy settings and saying you need to keep certain people out. And that's true. But you also have to remember who did you let in? Because it only takes one person that you let in to in turn reshare it, retweet it, repost it. 
and then it's out there and it's no longer under your privacy settings. It's under their privacy settings. Right. So, you know, maybe, the, and if they're one of those 40% that don't use privacy settings, then the picture you posted of yourself playing a, a drinking game at a party <laughs> that you're thinking, oh, my parents can't see this because my privacy settings, but your best friend shares it. Oh, and they see it on their page because they don't have privacy settings. Any of these things are out there. So you have to be careful of who you let in. And then you also have to speak with your friends and say, look, before you post something, reshare something, ask me first or, or check with me to make sure that, that I'm okay with it. Because once it's out, the genie's out and it's, it's done. It's out of the bottle. Right, exactly. And what a great practice for boundaries in this ever increasingly boundaryless society we live in. Yeah. I mean, there's just, that's, and you just said it, there's no boundaries in some cases. The stuff just, once it's out there, you're never putting it back in the bottle. You know, it, it's impossible because someone can take a screenshot mm-hmm. and then save it. You know, the old saying with, with Snapchat when it started was, oh, well, if I send a snap to somebody, it's only visible for 10 seconds, 30 seconds, 60 seconds, and then it's destroyed forever. Well, first off, Snapchat got busted by the federal government because they found out that wasn't true and all the snaps were staying on their servers forever. <laughs> so they took an incredible fine. I forget what, it, what the fine was, but at the time it was the biggest fine ever given to a company by the federal government for this. And then they also said, you will now subject yourself to 20 years of federal oversight that if we come knocking on your door and say, we want in, you have to let us in and inspect your servers. Mm-hmm. But even if that's not the case, even if it's not on the servers, which in many cases it will be, they can take screenshots, they can save it, they can do anything they can possibly can. So that even if it was 100% removed from the internet, maybe a picture of someone's daughter got out and it was topless. And they're like, oh my God, we need to get this out, fine. By some miracle, you're able to remove it from every instance of the web, except for the fact that some people took screenshots and saved it to their phone, saved it to their hard drive, and now they're going to put it back out there. So it's not going to stay gone. Yep. Yep. I know. It makes me want to live more and more in a cave. (laughs) (laughs) Well, there was a a great article, and it was from, um, I think it was from Your Teen Magazine, and it was about a mom who wrote in, and she said she found out that her, I think she said her daughter was 16, I think she was, and she went out with friends and they went swimming at a swimming hole. And it was also some sort of photography shoot. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, she found out that there are pictures of her daughter topless at this event. And she went to, the, to her daughter and said, are you crazy? And the mom's like, and the daughter's like, mom, it's no big deal. Everyone does it. Yep. You know, so the mom's trying to convince the daughter that, a year from now, two years from now, 10 years from now, you may not want this. Yep. I know. I just saw one. I just watched this great rendition of um, Little Women that's on Amazon mm-hmm. and um, Ethan Hawke and Uma Thurman's daughter. I, I was watching it, go, watching the woman who's the young woman who's playing Joe Marsh, the, you know, the pivotal, obviously, character. And I'm like, God, she reminds me of another actress. She is tremendous. And then, of course, ah, Uma Thurman looks like her, sounds like her, everything. And so I go and I Google her. I want to see what other things she's been in. What a wonderful young, you know, talent. And there's a video that just went out on her Instagram where she's walking around naked, says on it that she's drunk. Um, she's, well, she's covered in like a jacket that she's barely holding together. And she's walking around, you know, doing what drunk 
teen, you know, elder teen girls or early 20 girls can do sometimes. And in that world of celebrity and how people get famous and whatever, maybe that's the way to go. I, I don't know, but it did make me stop and go, hmm, okay, I'm not making a comment on that person. I'm sure she's a lovely, lovely young woman, but it did make me take less seriously wanting to see other films. And I, it made me think back in the days of um, when we didn't know every teensy ounce of, or every ounce of personal life about someone that we're watching the mystery of they can just be that character that we see in all these different films. There's something to be said for, you know, not knowing everything about their personal life. They're, right. Right. You know, and, and that's not the way that it is today. Well, there's a, vi a video that I show when I'm speaking to people about this and it's a picture of, it starts off with this young girl who, um, you know, supposedly, I guess, posted a picture of herself and it's making the rounds, you know, it's being, it's being shared, retweeted, whatever you want to call it. And the first person that opens up the phone is a high school boy. And yeah, she, what happened was she sent it to her boyfriend. She sent the picture to her boyfriend. Her boyfriend um, looks at the picture and he's smiling because you know, his girlfriend just sent him a, an intimate picture, but he's with his buddies and his buddies grab the phone. And he's like, oh, I'm sending this to myself. And then he in turn shares it out. And through next generation, next round of it being shared, you see it being shared by uh, other girls in the same high school. And they're giggling over it because they think it's a silly post. And then you see um, a boy post uh, who opens up his, his cell phone and he opens up his cell phone and he sort of cringes at it a little bit. And I always say, for all you know, that could be the little girl, the girl's younger brother. And he's just seen his sister topless. Right. And then it shows another picture of a, like a soccer mom and her pops up on her laptop and she opens it and she's really cringing. And I'm like, for all you know, that could be her mother. Right. And then it goes to one more picture and it's a middle-aged man. And he opens up the picture and he doesn't cringe. He's got like a really leery grin on his face. Mm -hmm. And I go, chances are that's not her father. <laughs> Good visual. Yeah. And everyone just sort of cringes at it. Yeah. And, and that's how quickly these things can happen. And here's the thing that people need to realize. Um, if one person sends it to just one other person, that's it. So now we've doubled it. We've gone from one person that has it to two people that have it. Now, in, in reality, we know that they're probably going to send it to everybody in their address book. So that could be dozens, if not hundreds of people. Right. But if we're going to be the most conservative we possibly can be, we're going to say that went from one person to two, two people. And then we're going to say maybe those two people send it to just one other person as well. We've gone from two people to four people. Those four people do it in turn, in turn, in turn. In only about a dozen cycles, it's seen by over 500 people. Right. And that's not, a, that's not necessarily witnessed in days or hours. It could be minutes that that could happen. Yeah. Seconds. <laughs> Seconds even, yeah. 
And that's assuming that we did the most conservative estimate we could possibly do, which is they only shared it with one other person. If they send it to 20 people at a time and those 20 people send it to 20 people, there's 400 people in in only two cycles. Yeah, we need we need a um, an anonymous group for, you know, like an AA type group for oversharers that it's already been done. You already did it. And here's the group that you can come and no one's going to shame you. Well, you know, there there are support groups, not necessarily of that nature, but for people who have been the victim of it. One of them is Darkness to Light. Um, it's also a group that I've been trained by for their stewards of children. Mm. And, you know, they treat child pornography like this, of sharing tweets. They treat this as sexual child abuse. Yeah. And they're right. Good. Absolutely. Well, Joseph, thank you so much for coming on. Please tell our listeners where they can find out more about you. Uh, well, you can look me up on my website, which is Joseph M. Yeager, Y-E-A-G-E-R dot net. Um, you can see, find out about me there. Or you can look for Safety Net of PA, either on Facebook or Twitter. And either of those, you can find stuff. And I put out, uh, especially on the Facebook page, I put out tips every day with ideas to help people to keep them safe and such. Um, so those are the, probably the best places to try and find me. Fantastic. Well, thank you again for coming on the show and for all of the work that you're doing also with Jazz and um, FSP Against Bullying. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, listeners, for tuning in to another episode of Mental Health News Radio. I'm passive aggressive, but never without good intentions. I heat up and act on my emotions. Thanks so much for listening to Mental Health News Radio. Our podcast can be found on iTunes, Stitcher, and hundreds of other podcast apps. Or you can visit our website at mentalhealthnewsradio.com. If you have a question or would like to be a guest, become a podcaster on our network, or join the amazing organizations that help keep us on the air, please email us at info at mhnrnetwork.com. Get ready for that special goodbye from our resident therapy dog, Miles, and a special thanks to Emily Sohn for letting us use her incredible song, Cordial, for our podcast music. Listen to the full song on SoundCloud at emily.sonne. Don't be surprised when I don't hate on you. After all, we promised we'd be cordial. Sometimes in you, I can't fight. Good boy.